God gave us the gift of Jesus Christ, the one who came to help us. This message is the third in the series, The Gifts of Christmas. The message is entitled, The Gift of Help. Here is Pastor Dale O'Shields. Grab your Bibles, if you will, your teaching sheets, as we continue our series together entitled, The Gifts of Christmas. And I want to talk to you today for a few moments about the gift of help, the gift of help. As I've mentioned to you, about 700 years before Christ was born, there was a prophet by the name of Isaiah who was known and is known as the Messianic prophet. And he spoke of the coming of Jesus Christ to our world. He spoke of a lot of aspects of Jesus' ministry. But you see his description of the birth of Christ in Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 and 7. Listen as I read. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given. And the government or the kingdom will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal, the passion, the strength of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. The Bible says, Isaiah said, for to us a child is born and to us a son is given. In the first message in this series, we talked about the personal nature of the gift of Jesus. He is given to you, given to us. He is a gift given from heaven, a gift that has your name on it. And in this gift called Jesus Christ, this wonderful Savior and Lord who came down, who became God in flesh, the incarnate God who came to earth on our behalf, born in a humble manger near Bethlehem. In that gift of Jesus, there are many different gifts. It's just like opening up one box and inside that box you find many other gifts inside the box. So in the gift of Jesus, you find the gift of a number of different things. And Isaiah identifies four aspects of the gift of Jesus. He will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. Last weekend we talked about this gift of a counselor. I want to talk to you this weekend about the gift of Mighty God, that in Jesus you have a mighty God, a mighty God. The definition of this word mighty is a very important word in the Hebrew language. It's a word that means to have strength or valor. The idea of the word is that it's a champion. It's someone who conquers, someone who overcomes. So Jesus came into the world as the mighty God. As the Son of God, he demonstrates his might by the amazing miracles that he performs. God gave to us this gift of Jesus so that we could experience the miracle worker. We could experience the one who actually came to intervene in our lives and to actually help us. And I want to talk for a bit today about, about the idea of a miracle. As the mighty God, he is the miracle worker. He is the one that helps you. The word miracle really describes an intervention of God, an intervention of God's love, an intervention of God's grace, an intervention of God's power for our good, that God steps into your world and he actually overrides natural processes. He overrides natural events and he does something supernatural. That's what the word miracle means. It is something that is super or above what is natural. There's a natural course of events, and God steps in, and he overrides the natural, and he does what only he can do for our good. He actually brings help to us in a very personal or supernatural way. And I want to talk to you today about three ways that Jesus steps into our world and brings us help miraculously. What I'm going to share with you today are three very deep convictions that I have 
in my heart based upon what I believe Scripture teaches related to who Jesus is that I hope that you will embrace in your heart today as well because this is what Jesus came to do for you as the mighty God. First of all, we must understand that supernaturally in our lives, Jesus is the mighty healer. When you read the New Testament, you will find out that Jesus over and over again is revealed as the healer. Time and time again, Jesus reaches out to people who are suffering, and He actually brings healing to them. I'm going to share with you four kinds of healing that you find in the New Testament that help us to have faith in what Christ can do for us. Jesus, as you oftentimes will see in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, all four Gospels record this, that Jesus heals physical sicknesses and Jesus heals physical diseases. By the way, let me say something as we're walking through this. Everything that I described today in terms of what Jesus did when He was on earth, He is still doing today. Because the Bible says very clearly in the book of Hebrews that he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so the same Jesus that physically healed sickness and disease over 2,000 years ago when he was walking on earth, he's still doing that today. There are many stories that we could look at. Let me take you to Mark chapter 5 and one of the classic, most, imp- most impactful stories of Jesus healing a very desperate lady, bringing her help. Matthew 5, beginning in verse 25. I'll read down through verse 29. We'll continue the story in just a moment. A woman in the crowd had suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding. She had suffered a great deal from many doctors. How many of you suffered from doctors before, okay? And over the years, she had spent everything she had to pay them, but she had gotten no better. In fact, she had gotten worse. So here's the story. A lady had been bleeding for 12 years. She had spent everything she had, gone to every doctor she knew, and she could not get any better. In fact, over time, instead of her problem getting better, her problem had grown worse. Notice verse 27, she heard about Jesus. What a great day it is when you hear about Jesus. She heard about Jesus, so she came up behind him through the crowd and touched his robe. She thought to herself, if I can just touch his robe, I will be healed. So here's this lady who's gotten worse over 12 years of a bleeding condition. She could find no cure naturally, but she decided to move beyond the natural to the supernatural. That was Jesus in her town that day. And when she heard that Jesus was there, she made her way silently through the crowd and said, if I can just touch the edge of his garment, that's all I need to do. If I can simply touch one of the tassels on the end of his robe, that's all I need because the doctors can't cure me naturally, but Jesus can cure me supernaturally. That day, she reached out and said, if I just touch his robe, I will be healed. And the Bible says as she did so, verse 29, immediately what happened, the bleeding stopped, and she could feel in her body that she had been healed of her terrible condition. That is the story of the mighty God. The second way that Jesus heals folks is he heals us through what I will call in the spiritual, emotional weaknesses and diseases of life. Sometimes you can be very well physically, but very sick emotionally. Absolutely nothing wrong with your body, every organ in your body working well, every aspect of your, of your normal functions well, all your vital signs doing great, but you're still sick. 
You're not sick in your body, you're sick in your soul. You're, you're weak on the inside. You're, you're diseased internally by something that's happened inside of you, some event that's transpired in your life, some pain that you haven't gotten over, something that's happened to the soul dimension of your being. And much of the suffering of humanity is not physical in nature, much of the suffering in humanity would be emotional and spiritual in nature. There are people who are hurting spiritually and emotionally. They may not know how to articulate that, but they're hurting on the inside. All of us, in fact, have infirmities of the spirit and infirmities of the soul that we cannot cure by ourselves. There's nothing that can cure us from a, from a natural standpoint. And Jesus does these wonderful miracles of healing human hearts taking the inside of people and healing us from guilt by granting us forgiveness, healing us from rejection by giving us acceptance, healing us of all kind of trauma on the inside by taking broken hearts and putting them back together. Jesus truly is the healer of the soul, miraculously. Let's go back to this lady who was hemorrhaging, the lady who was bleeding. We read about her a moment ago, and I want you to see that Jesus cared about her not only physically, but he cared about her emotionally as well. See, Jesus cares about your whole being, not just part of you. He cares about every part of you. Let me take you now to verse number 30 of John chapter, Mark chapter 5 as we continue this story. So the lady has now touched Jesus, and she's now healed immediately. The bleeding stops, the Bible says. Notice now verse 30. Jesus realized at once that healing power had gone out from him, so he turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my robe? His disciples said to him, look at this crowd pressing around you. How can you ask who touched me? But he kept on looking around to see who had done it. Then the frightened woman, there's fear here, trembling at the realization of what had happened to her, came and fell at his knees in front of him and told him what she had done. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Your suffering is over. After this lady was physically healed by Jesus, Jesus did something very unusual in that situation. He's moving through the crowd. Actually, he's on the way to the house of a man by the name of Jairus who has a sick daughter there that he's going to minister to. So he's moving quickly through the crowd. Everybody is around him. And as soon as this lady touches the edge of his garment, she'd made, she'd drawn no attention to herself. No one knew that she was there. More than likely, she's sort of crawling on the ground toward Jesus. But as soon as she touched his robe, healing flowed from him. Him, and he realized something had happened. So he stopped the entire procession and said, who touched me? The disciples were taken aback because they're saying, Jesus, there's all kind of people touching you. You're in a crowd. What, what, wouldn't you expect lots of people to be touching you? Jesus, Jesus said, no, no, no. Somebody touched me in a different way. I felt the touch of faith reaching out to me. And so he stops the entire crowd and he does something very unusual in that situation. He calls attention to the lady who's touched the, temp, the, 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 the tassel on his garment, and he, he asks her to stand, and he draws attention to her. Why would Jesus do something like that? The reason that Jesus did that was not only to acknowledge her healing, but to also heal her at a deeper level. Because by reason of her condition, bleeding, she had been considered unclean by the community. She could not come around people that 
would normally have been her friend. She had been isolated from relationship with other people, isolated most likely from the worship of God at the, at the temple. She'd been isolated in her entire emotions. So she had gone for 12 years living a life that was not only hurting her physically, but also hurting her emotionally. And so there in that moment, Jesus said, I not only want you to experience this physical healing, I want you to be brought back in community. I want your heart to be made whole again. I want you to know that you're accepted. And I want everybody in this crowd now to know that you're accepted as well. So he drew attention to her to bring her to that restoration of confidence and that restoration of self-worth that she had lost through those 12 years of going through everything she'd gone through. Dear ones, let me tell you this morning that in your relationship with Jesus, as you begin to think about who he is in your life, he is the mighty God. He's the mighty God. And as the mighty God, he is able to supernaturally bring healing to you. He's able to heal you physically. We have testimonies of people who've experienced the healing grace of Jesus in their life by his physical touch upon them. But Jesus doesn't just stop with your physical being. He cares about your soul. He knows how to restore you from guilt and rejection and all kind of pain that you carry inside of you. He is the healer of broken souls. He's the healer of broken hearts. Thirdly, he heals relationships. You know that Jesus can take people who are estranged and isolated and distant and divided and he can actually restore their relationships? He can take people who are enemies and make them friends. He can take people who hate each other and cause them to love each other. It's a wonderful thing. In fact, if you think about the New Testament, you think about how as the early church was formed on the day of Pentecost and how the Holy Spirit was outpoured and, and now at this particular time in the, in the origins of the church, it was, all a, it was all a Jewish community at this time upon whom Jesus had poured the Holy Spirit. But they spilled out and began to speak God's word to all the nations gathered there in Jerusalem during that Pentecost festival. And then from there, the gospel begins to spread and it moves beyond the Jews to the Gentiles. And there were no two groups of people that hated each other more than Jews and Gentiles. They were completely opposite in the way that they lived their lives, the way that they thought about, in fact, their worldview. It was quite different. The Jews had a God-centered worldview, and the Gentiles rejected God. So it was very opposite the way they lived their lives, the way they operated. But in the moving of God's Holy Spirit and the salvation of souls, Jews and Gentiles came together and began to worship in the same environments. Why? Because God is able to take people who hate each other and cause them to love each other. Jesus is able to take an estranged marriage where a husband hates a wife and a wife hates a husband and they're divided and they're, they're caught up in the intensity of these emotions that have, have, have brewed over a period of time and Jesus is able to step in and begin the process of bringing healing and bringing people back together again. If you have a, an estranged relationship, Sometimes these come to the surface in holidays because we're made aware of things that are going on in our families and broken things that have happened in relationships. If you have an estranged relationship, would you begin to believe God today that he can take the people who are the farthest apart and bring them close together again? That's the mighty God. There's a fourth area where healing comes. That's what I will call eternal healing. In this life, we are going to have suffering. Not every physical ailment will be healed in this life. Not every broken place in our life will always be healed the way that we would like, but I will tell you this, we have an eternity where everything will be healed. 
We look forward to the fact that this life is not all there is, and while we're going through suffering at times here, we don't live only for this life. This life is very temporary. This life is very short. If you live to be 100 years, that's nothing compared to eternity. And so when you leave this life and you move into eternity, I promise you that you will be made completely whole. Every part of your being, heaven is a healing place. It's a place of restoration. Listen to Revelation 21, verses 1 through 4, that John the Revelator sees heaven. He's caught up in this great revelation on the Isle of Patmos, experiencing Jesus, seeing this amazing thing happening in a spiritual realm. And he says, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the old heaven and the old earth had disappeared, and the sea was also gone. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven like a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, look, God's home is now among his people. He will live with them and they will be his people. God himself will be with them. He will wipe every tear from their eye and there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone forever. Dear ones, if you have loved ones who knew Jesus and have now moved from this life to the next life, that's what they're experiencing right now. Whatever ailments they carried with them on earth, whatever suffering they had, perhaps at the time of their death, as soon as they took their first breath in heaven, there was complete healing and complete restoration. The Bible says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord, and to be present with the Lord is to be present in the, in the atmosphere of healing that heals you for eternity. That's what you have to look forward to. Jesus heals us physically, yes. He heals us emotionally, yes. He heals relationships in our life, yes. And he also ultimately has provided eternal healing for those who know him in his presence for all eternity, forever and forever. The second thing I want to share with you today, I'm giving you three convictions. I'm convinced that Jesus is a healer. Second of all, I'm convinced that Jesus is the mighty deliverer. Not only in many places in the New Testament do we see Jesus healing people, we also see Jesus delivering people from evil influences that oppress them. He reaches out to people who are living in chains of darkness and he shatters their shackles. He releases them into a life of freedom. Mark chapter 5 is an example of this, starting in verse number 2. Jesus is now traveling across the Sea of Galilee, and the Bible says in verse number 2, when Jesus got out of the boat, a man with an impure spirit came from the tombs to meet him. This man lived in the tombs, and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. For he'd often been chained hand and foot, but he tore the chains apart and broke the irons on his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day, among the tombs and in the hills, he would cry out and cut himself with stones. I can't imagine a more sad picture of humanity. Here's this man who is dealing with a, an impure spirit, an unclean spirit. He's, he's demonized. The demons are living inside of him. And because of this, in his demonized condition, he experiences this torment day in and day out. He doesn't live in an atmosphere of life. He lives in an atmosphere of death. He actually lives in the cemetery among the tombs. Look at verse number six, same chapter, Matthew, Mark chapter five. When he, this man that was tormented, when he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and fell on his knees in front of him. He shouted at the top of his voice, what do you want with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? In God's name, don't torture me. For Jesus had said, to, had said to him, come out of this man, you impure spirit. 
Then Jesus asked him, what is your name? My name is Legion, he replied, for we are many. We, speaking of the demons, there's a lot of demons in this man. And he begged Jesus again and again not to send them out of the area. A large herd of pigs was feeding on the nearby hillside. The demons begged Jesus, send us among the pigs, allow us to go into them. He gave them permission, and the impure spirits came out and went into the pigs. The herd, about 2,000 in number, rushed down the steep bank into the lake and were drowned. Those tending the pigs ran off and reported this in the town and countryside, and the people went out to see what had happened. When they came to Jesus, they saw the man who had been possessed. Notice now it's past tense. Had been possessed by the legion of demons, sitting there dressed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. Those who had seen it told the people what had happened to the demon-possessed man and told about the pigs as well. That was quite a story that day, wasn't it? What I want you to see here, here's this, this tormented man, this man that is facing all kind of problems in his life because he's now demonized. The adversary has gained an advantage upon this man. He's living in a terrible condition. But that day, the mighty God stepped into his world and the mighty God delivered him from his issues. He was different. He'd been tortured and tormented before, but now he's living in his right mind because Jesus stepped in and did what only Jesus could do. It was not a natural work. It was a supernatural work. It was a miracle in this man's life. Let me share with you four ways that Jesus delivers you and me today. I'm convinced that Jesus is a healer. I'm convinced that Jesus is a deliverer. I'll say that again. I'll give you an opportunity to say amen after I say it, okay? I'm convinced that Jesus, and I declare today that Jesus is a healer. And I declare and am totally convinced that Jesus is a deliverer. That's who he is, okay? He is the mighty God. He is supernatural. He delivers us from sin. Aren't you glad for that? Jesus talked about the kind of sin that controls us on the inside. He came to set people free so that we are no longer bound by our nature to sin, that we can actually begin to overcome and live righteously in God's presence. Colossians 1, I'm going to read this is verses 13 and 14. For he has, Jesus has rescued us. One translation says delivered us, has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Please notice this again. Jesus is not going to rescue you. If you know Jesus, he has rescued you from the dominion of darkness. He's brought us into the dominion, the kingdom of the son that he loves. We have redemption. We have it. We've been redeemed. We've been delivered. The forgiveness of sins. He delivers us from torment. As we saw in this story, the tormented man, he was delivered from torment. Jesus delivers you and me from torment as well. Look at 1 John 4, 18. Why don't we read this together loud and loudly across our campuses? Would you read with me? John, 1 John 4, 18. Let's read. There is no fear in love, because, but, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The, the one who fears is not made perfect in love. Notice that fear has to do with punishment. One translation says fear has torment, okay? 
And what I want you to see is that Jesus came with his love to drive out the torment of your life. There's nothing more tormenting than wondering if you're loved. There's nothing more tormenting than wondering if I'm accepted. There's nothing more tormenting than wondering how God views you. And Jesus says in his word through 1 John chapter 4, he says, I've come to show you my love so that that love will drive out, deliver you from the spirit of fear. Thirdly, Jesus delivers us from darkness and self-destruction. You know, sometimes the greatest dimension of destruction in our life is not what other people do to us, it's what we do to ourselves. Are you hearing me? With our own thinking, we destroy ourselves with actions, when we don't take care of ourselves well and honor who God has made us to be. When we begin to step into that self-destructive mode, then it's a very detrimental and downward cycle in our lives. And this man that we talked about a moment ago, the man with a legion of demons, he was in a self-destructive mode. He was cutting himself and all kind of self-destructive behavior. And that's what the devil wants to do to you. He wants to, if he can't destroy you himself or through people, he'll try to move you into a self-destructive mode. By the way, let me say this today. I just want to say it because I, I just feel prompted by the Spirit to say this today. If you're suffering right now with a self-destructive kind of mindset, let me tell you something. Your life is a precious gift from God to you, okay? And there's hope for your future. Don't ever think that a bad moment in your life is the end of your story and, and you come to the place of saying, my life is not worth living. Your life is worth living because there's something better to come in your life. You'll get past this chapter. If you'll hold on with faith, you'll get past it. See, Jesus wants to build us on the inside in such a way that we are delivered from self-destructive behaviors, from the influences of, of darkness that would try to cause us to sabotage ourselves with all kind of negative thinking. He's the mighty God that delivers us from this. He's also the fourth thing, the God who delivers us from crippledness. We talked about it a few weeks ago. Let me take you back to one story that we looked at in an entire weekend in Luke chapter 13. One Sabbath day, as Jesus was teaching in the synagogue, he saw a woman who had been crippled by an evil spirit. Notice she'd been crippled how? By an evil spirit. She'd been bent double. Do you remember me talking about this passage? She'd been bent double for 18 years and was unable to stand up straight. When Jesus saw her, he called her over and said, Dear woman, you are healed of your sickness. Then he touched her and instantly she could stand straight. How she praised God. Why did she praise God? Because she had been delivered. Jesus delivers us from sin. He delivers us from all kind of torment in our lives. He delivers us from self-destructive behaviors in our life. He delivers us from our crippledness so that we can serve him. Jesus is a mighty God. He is the God of deliverance. The third thing I want to remind you of today as we think about this idea of mighty God, this gift of mighty God, this gift of help, the supernatural gift that comes to us is that Jesus is the mighty life giver. Jesus not only restored health to people and delivered people during his ministry, but Jesus also resurrected the dead. You recall that? Have you read your Gospels recently? Jesus actually raised dead people. Not something we're, we're too familiar with, but this actually happened in Scripture. Jesus actually did this. People who were dead, he spoke life. He was a life giver. In fact, it's been said that Jesus ruined every funeral he went to. <laughs> because as soon as Jesus showed up, everything changed. 
It's kind of a joke, but it's really not a joke because that's in essence what he did. Every time he shows up, he can't help but life coming and flowing from. He is the way, the truth, and the life. The devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus said, I came that you might have life and have it more abundantly. So Jesus is the life giver. Let's look at one of these stories in Luke chapter 7, verses 11 through 15. Everybody still with me today? Amen. Soon afterward, Jesus went to a town called Nain, and his disciples and a large crowd went along with him. As he approached the town gate, a dead person was being carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow. And a large crowd from the town was with her. When the Lord saw her, his heart went out to her, and he said, don't cry. Then he went up and touched the bier. They were carrying him on, or the, 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 the coffin, if you will. They were carrying him on, and the bearers stood still. He said, young man, I say to you, get up. The dead man sat up and began to talk, and Jesus gave him back to his mother. What an amazing story, right? Jesus comes up to the coffin. He touches the coffin. He says, young man, death is not your destiny. Life is your destiny. And Jesus said to him, I say to you, get up. Let me tell you, when Jesus says get up, you get up. When Jesus says come forth, you come forth. Because he's speaking life. He's a life giver, amen? So when you have a relationship with Jesus, you, you are stepping in to a relationship with life, not death, but life. He is the mighty God who resurrects us from our deadness. And I'm going to share with you as we wrap up today five areas of deadness that you need to be aware of and invite the life-giving mighty God into in your life today. Number one, they're dead-end roads that we have. They're death that comes to our destiny or our journey. And some of you today, you're, you're at a place in life where you've come to a dead-end place or a dead-end position. And I'll tell you something about coming to a dead-end. There are not a lot of options when you get there. That's what a dead end is. A dead end is you can't turn to the right and you can't turn to the left because it's, it's a dead end. And there's some of you here this morning that that's what your life looks like right now. It seems as though by reason of your job or a relationship or something in your life right now, you've hit a dead end place. I want you to know that Jesus comes in and makes a way where there is no way. He comes in and steps into those dead end places and he resurrects new direction for you. Okay. I've seen it happen in my own life when you come to those dead-end places and you, you cry out to God and then in His timing, in His way, in His will, He opens up something you could have never dreamed of in your own life. Why? Because He's the God that steps into dead-end places and gives you life and gives you new direction. And I prophesy that to some of you here today in a dead-end place in your life that there's coming a new direction to your life, okay? He resurrects dead-end roads. He resurrects dead emotions, Life challenges sometimes can have a very numbing effect on us, and they can cause you to lose your capacity to feel, and you got all this pressure on you. You just, you just kind of shut down on the inside. Your, your emotional pain, your, your disappointment sort of deaden you on the inside. Anyone know what I'm talking about this morning? You just get dead on the inside. It's like you don't even care anymore. You carry this sort of deadness around. This, this, this deadness affects you and your, your pursuit of life. It affects you in your relationships. It affects you in practically every area of life. And I will tell you that Jesus is the one who can come to the dead emotions that you feel, that you're experiencing those numb places in your life, and he can, he can breathe life back into you again and give you a sense of excitement about your future. He's the God that helps us thirdly with our dead passions. A passion is something you feel 
very committed to, something that you're engaging in with all of your heart. Sometimes in life, because of things that happen, we lose our passion, a passion maybe for a marriage, a passion for our work, a passion for whatever it might be in life. We lose that energy that we, we, some will call it being burned out. And sometimes in life, you find yourself in a burned out situation. You're, you've given out, you've kind of given up. Maybe you've lost your desire to even serve God or do, do what is right. I will tell you that our God is the God of revival. Our God is the God of spiritual resurrection, okay? If you feel like your faith is gone, don't feel that's the end. Your faith isn't gone. There's a spark down in there, and Jesus today begins to breathe on that spark, as I talked about last weekend, that a bruised reed he will not break, and a smoldering wick he will not snuff out. Jesus knows how to breathe gently on the spark of faith that's down inside of you. For somebody here this morning, there's a spark of faith. You got it this morning. You may not have felt like going to church, but that little spark got you here this morning. A little spark of something inside of you got you to the house of God today, and now Jesus is breathing on that to bring it back to life again. Jesus, as the mighty God, is the one who brings resurrection to our dead passions. And then, fourthly, he brings resurrection to dead hopes and dead dreams. I'm preaching good this morning, so give me some more amens, all right? Okay. Okay. I say that in all humility. Sometimes you lose your hopes, you lose your dreams. So when you lose your hopes, you lose your dreams, you lose your future, okay? That's what your future is, your hopes, your dreams. And when you've lost your hopes and lost your dreams, you carry inside of you the sorrow, the sadness. And I want you to know that if God gave you a dream, if it's his dream, he'll resurrect it. He'll, if, it doesn't matter how dead it might seem, he knows how to resurrect it, okay? And by the way, sometimes your dreams have to die before they're resurrected, okay? Talk to Joseph in the Old Testament. Joseph had a dream when he was 17 years of age that he was going to be the ruler, a great ruler, and he shares this with his dad and his brothers. None of them believe it, and so ultimately, as you might remember the story, Joseph is sold into slavery. He goes into Potiphar's house. He begins to rise in his prominence in Potiphar's house, and he's falsely accused of, 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 of raping Potiphar's wife, and then he ends up in prison. And I will tell you that about this time, his dream didn't look like it was going to become a reality. That's whole idea that I'm going to be a ruler someday, I think that's kind of shot. I'm a slave and now I'm a prisoner. It doesn't look like anything's going to happen, but God let him stay there for 13 years. We don't like that part of the story, do we? Okay. But for 13 years, there he is in prison and he's waiting it out and waiting it out, but he continues to be the man God called him to be in prison. And ultimately, through a dream that Pharaoh has, Joseph is the man on the scene in the moment that is able to interpret it and God knows your, your hour of favor. God knows how to bring dreams back to life again. He knows how to bring and rekindle hopes in us. The last thing I'll mention here as we're wrapping up today is that Jesus is able to resurrect us from physical death. One day, we're going to all face physical death. There's a time that's going to come in your life when you're going to cross the river, as they say. You're not going to stay here forever. You're going to come to the end of this life. You're going to go to the next life. And one of the greatest promises, listen, I think many times in life we try to live just for our moment, for our day, but I want to remind you that this world is not all there is, okay? This life is not all there. This world and this life is like this little bit compared to what really matters. Are you with me today? I mean, it's just a tiny, once you get to eternity, you're going to realize how tiny this life really was. 
The most important thing about this life is you make the right decisions for the next life, okay? That's what this life is all about, make the right decisions so you're ready for the next life. But one day, all of us are going to end up, our life, going to breathe our last breath. It's going to be over with here. But here's a great truth for Christians that you need to hold on to for yourself and for your loved ones who know Jesus. Physical death is not the end for those who personally know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of their life. It is not the end, okay? I'm telling you, I'm preaching good this morning. This is good stuff, okay? Physical death is not the end. It is not the end. Say it with me. It is not the end, okay? We tend to think of it as the end. That's why the Bible says that we, when someone passes from this life to the next life, we as Christians, we, we grieve, but we grieve not like those who have no hope. Right? We grieve, but we grieve with, still with a hope, okay? There's something in us that's still carrying us through it. And I want to give you this, this passage as we wrap up today in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 51 and, and 52, and I want these words to sink into your heart, this resurrection, mighty God power that comes to you, a life-giving power. Listen, I tell you a mystery, Paul says, we will not all sleep, but we will all be changed. Somebody said, that's a really good verse for the nursery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed. Okay. Some of you will get that by the time you get home today. You'll figure it out. Okay, okay, okay. Think about it, but don't think about it right now. Okay. Listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed. In a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. It's coming a, a day when Christ and the great archangels will shout the trumpet, the shout will be given, the trumpets will blast, and there are going to be a lot of pop-ups happening around cemeteries, okay? A lot of people coming forth in resurrection power. You say, do you really believe that, Pastor? Yeah, I really believe that, okay? You really believe Jesus is coming back again? Yeah, there's going to be a last day, and you really believe people are going to be resurrected? Yeah, I actually believe that. Why? Because the Bible says it, Okay. That's exactly what the Bible, I don't, I don't understand it. I can't, I can't explain it to you, but I can tell you I believe it because I'm convinced of something today. I'm convinced of three things about our mighty God. Isaiah the prophet said, to us, a son is born. To us, to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God. He's our mighty God because he is our absolute healer. I affirm to you today that Jesus Christ is the mighty healer. I affirm to you today that he's the mighty God because he is the mighty deliverer. And I affirm to you today that Jesus is the mighty God because he is the mighty life giver. And I want you, as we go through this Christmas season, to be aware of the fact that when Jesus came as the gift of God's love to you and me, he came to say, I'm your supernatural God. Nothing is too hard for me. Would you bow your heads together as we pray today? Father, thank you for your word this morning. We're grateful for the word of God. We're so thankful that you are the miracle-working God. And We come this morning just affirming our faith in you as the healer, our faith in you as our deliverer, and our faith in you as our life giver. I pray that something that's been said today would lodge deeply in each of our hearts, that very thing that we needed to hear today, God, I pray that faith would rise in us and we would lay hold of that and believe the promise you've given us this day in Jesus' name. 
I would like to close today by giving you an opportunity to ask Jesus to be the Lord of your life. Would you pray with me right now? Right where you are, just simply bow your head with me and I'm going to give you a prayer to pray and you can simply speak this prayer out, whisper this prayer out and from the sincerity of your heart, call upon God and I promise you that He will hear and answer you. So let's pray together. Start by simply whispering the name Jesus. Let there come uh, from your heart just the declaration of His name. Say, Jesus, I know that, that I am a sinner, that I have fallen short with you. I'm sorry for all of my sins. Jesus, I believe in you. I believe that you are God's Son. I believe that you are the Savior of the world. I believe that you died on the cross for my sins. And I believe that you rose from the grave, that you are alive today. Now pray these words. Say, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. Give me a new start in you. I commit my life to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer with me, I want to encourage you with a promise from God's Word that says that when we call upon God's name, we call upon the Son of God, there is salvation that comes to our lives. He changes us from the inside out and you become a new creation. All things pass away, all things become new. And that's exactly what has happened to you today. Your next step really is to make sure that you get into a good Bible-believing church. And you begin to study God's Word, get God's Word in you, and to make sure that you get a copy of the Bible if you don't have one and begin to read it. Spend some time every day in prayer. And I would encourage you also to check out the resources on our website that will help you to get going in your relationship with Jesus. You can find them at church-redeemer.org. Get those into your hands. Get started in your new life with Jesus Christ. Thanks again for joining us today. May God bless you, and we look forward to seeing you next time. If you've prayed with a pastor today and made a decision to follow Jesus Christ, we have some resources for you on our website. Just go to church-redeemer.org slash a new you. We pray that this message was a blessing to you.